There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Story time. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As a park ranger... Adam had seen his fair share of strange things. But nothing had prepared him for what he encountered one night while patrolling the forest. It started with a strange noise, like a cross between a growl and a scream. Adam's first thought was that it was a bear or a mountain lion, but the sound was unlike anything he had ever heard. He cautiously made his way towards the source of the noise, flashlight in hand. The deeper he went into the woods, the more uneasy he became. It was as if something was watching him, something that shouldn't be there. Suddenly, he heard the noise again, louder this time, and closer. Adam shone his flashlight ahead and froze. Standing in front of him was a creature unlike anything he had ever seen. It was tall, with fur as black as the night, and eyes that seemed to glow with an otherworldly light. Its jaws were open, revealing rows of sharp teeth. Adam tried to back away slowly, but the creature stepped forward, blocking his path. He raised his flashlight as a weapon, but it seemed useless against this creature. The creature lunged at him, and Adam ran as fast as he could. He could hear the creature's footsteps behind him, and he knew he was in grave danger. But just when he thought he was done for, he burst through the trees and into a clearing. The creature stopped at the edge of the clearing, snarling and pacing back and forth. Adam could see the fear in its eyes, and he realized that it was just as scared of him as he was of it. After a few tense moments, the creature turned and disappeared into the woods. Adam collapsed onto the ground, 
shaking with adrenaline and relief. He never spoke of the creature to anyone, afraid that they would think he was crazy. But every time he patrolled the woods, he couldn't shake the feeling that something was watching him from the shadows. I have heard you talk about your family folk healing background on your YouTube channel. I thought that I'd share some of the stories that my grandpa used to tell me. My dad's side of the family is Appalachian Mountain folk from North Carolina. All great storytellers. I grew up listening to tales of witches in the mountains and magical things they'd experienced. Now, when I was young my dad would cut my hair. He'd scoop it up and then go over to the woods. I never questioned why this was until one day my youngest brother got his first haircut. As usual, when my dad was done he'd scoop up the hair like he always did. My grandpa was there at the time and he would say to make sure to bury it. Dad nodded and went out into the woods. I asked about it and grandpa said that witches can use your hair to cast spells on you. He said that you've got to go out when no one can see you, dig a hole, and bury it. Otherwise, the witches will use it to curse you. Grandpa was surprised that my dad never explained how to tell if a witch made a curse out of your hair. He explains that witches can put spells on bits of human hair to make a person sick or to make them do things occasionally. This will result in a hairball. He describes it as a big tangled wad of hair that just appears from thin air wherever you are. It sounds crazy, I know. But grandpa calls my older cousin over to stay with us at the time. He says to my cousin to tell this young lad about the time that you found a hairball. He says that one morning when he was at the breakfast table talking to his brother they were sitting there across from each other when a big wad of hair materialized out of thin air. They watched it appear right in front of their eyes as it floated over like a tumbleweed toward my cousin. He jumped out of his chair. Those witch balls can burn your skin he told me. He grabbed a pair of tongs and plucked it out of the air, careful not to touch it. Then he tossed it in the fire. I asked him if anything ever happened after that. He said no. I asked if he had ever been burned by one of those hairballs and he said no but his friend had apparently. His friend was on his farm one day when he heard a cow in the woods. He was thinking that one of his cows escaped so he went over to bring it back. He followed the sound until he came to a small clearing but there was no cow. Then a bunch of witch balls appear and encircled him. He knew what they were immediately and he took off running. He ran into a few more on his way out and the next day his face, arms, and neck were covered in big burns. My grandpa told me to be careful about my hair after that and from then onward I always made sure dad buried my hair if he cut it. I know that it's probably not a true story or at least there's some other explanation for it, but I still do it myself, you know, just in case he was telling the truth. There was something else that my grandpa would talk about. There's something that happens before some people die. They call it the knocking. Before someone died they'd hear tapping at the front door. The tapping always stopped as soon as someone went to check on it. The next day somebody in that house would be dead. Sometimes only the person who was about to die would hear it, but usually, multiple people would hear it. Apparently, it happened to someone in my family. One of dad's cousins was outside with a bunch of friends and family when they all heard someone pounding on the front door of the house. They looked and nobody was there. They figured that maybe one of the kids had gone inside and was playing around, so they got back to talking. Then the pounding started again and my dad's cousin went over to tell the kids to stop messing around, but nobody was there. He closed the door and began walking toward everybody in the yard when the knocking started again. Again, nobody was there. My grandpa said everyone got spooked because they all knew that this meant a death in the family would occur. The very next day my dad's cousin was found dead in his bed with no apparent cause of death. One more tale my grandpa would tell. When my dad was growing up there was some woman named Miss Ada who everybody knew was a good witch. If people were sick or needed help removing a curse they'd go to Miss Ada. Grandpa sent Dad to Miss Ada's house one day to help her chop wood. He worked up a sweat and Miss Ada asked if Dad would like some milk. He said sure and followed her inside. 
She checked the fridge but there was nothing in it. She says that she must have run out. She asked dad to help her with something really quick and she'll get him some milk. Miss Ada grabs a little towel and dad follows her outside. She has this big bundle of sticks tied up next to the house. She grabs the bundle, lays it on a stump, and then covers it with the towel. She asks, can you chop these sticks for me? My dad obliges, only when he brings the axe down the sticks don't break. Miss Ada removes the towel and lo and behold the bundle of sticks is fine. There's no damage whatsoever. She then grabs a big pail and sets it at her feet. She takes the towel that she used to cover the bundle of sticks and squeezes. As she wrings it out a huge amount of milk comes pouring out of it. She fills up the entire bucket and pours two glasses of fresh milk. My dad takes a sip nervously, then he chugs the entire thing. My dad said it was the sweetest glass of milk that he had ever drunk. I live on the largest landlocked lake in New York State. It's still fairly small, 80 square miles. It's fed by several rivers and if you follow them correctly you can get out of state on them. It's shallow, average depth of 22 feet, deepest says 55 feet. It's a very clean lake, a few small rocky beaches but no large boulders. I am very familiar with the lake having lived here for 33 years and boating around for many of them. We were kids and out on the boat with my uncle. It was fun scary to drive the boat out and jump in for a swim. We were way past the drop-off where the lake gets deeper, the 20 feet deep part, out near the middle of the lake. I jumped in and swam around a bit, and I found I was able to stand. It didn't really seem weird at the time, but it definitely was. The surface was kinda smushy not really like sand. Had some weeds on it. It was wide enough that I stood on it no issue. I didn't walk around much. I swam back and got on the boat. For years I have been wondering what the hell I was standing on. As I said we don't have boulders, and any sunken trees wash in quickly and are very clearly marked for boaters where they do make it out deeper. It wasn't a tree. It didn't give or move. It was almost like a small underwater island, but we sure don't have those either. Anything I could have been standing on could not have been there. Now this is a shallow lake and the biggest fish we have is a sturgeon, which yeah can get big but not this big. As I said it's very clear and heavily populated. Not much is gonna go unknown for very long. It's fresh water. The tributaries all have locks to move the boats so it's not like anything could have swam up them easily. I've ran every scenario I can think of and I have no idea WTF I was standing on. About seven years ago I was in the northern tip of Michigan's lower peninsula, around the Pigeon River Forest R. I was driving around looking for my dad's old hunting camp, which was deep in the woods, nothing but dirt roads and old logging trails. It was nearing sundown when I pulled over to try and figure out where I was. No cell coverage, so I was using a copy of an old map of the area. The woods up there are both beautiful and very dark due to the thickness of the tree coverage and a lot of dense foliage. I was sitting in my car studying my map when I noticed it had gotten very silent. For a few minutes the birds and squirrels stopped chattering and singing but I barely noticed. I was going to head back to town since it was starting to get dark. That's when I became aware of a movement in the woods just a few yards away. Something was scurrying through the field of tall ferns heading towards the tree line nearby. It startled me but I assumed it was probably a raccoon or a fox or something. I watched the thing moving through the ferns, curious if I could see the animal running. It reached the trees and the movement stopped. I couldn't see anything, and after a minute I gave up and went back to the map. Then I noticed something moving again at the tree line. When I looked, there was nothing. At first, then I gradually realized that one of what I thought was a tree was actually a tall dark creature, about six feet tall and covered in what looked like short, dark gray fur like a rabbit. The body looked like a ferret or a weasel, very long and slim with what appeared to be long, skinny arms front legs hanging down at the sides. 
The weirdest thing was the head, it had a flat head, like a snake's head. In fact, it was shaped very much like a hogshead snake. The thing appeared to be staring at me but I couldn't see a face. No eyes or mouth that I could see. There were some kind of complications around the face, like bulges, which was also covered with short gray hair. I started it at 4 for maybe 5 seconds before it ducked down and disappeared into the dark woods. The really weird thing? For about 10 minutes I didn't think anything about it. Like, nothing at all. I just kind of started driving, found my way back to the highway and that's when the strangeness of the experience finally hit me. I was pretty freaked out. I told one of my friends, but no one else. Needless to say, I have not been back to the forest and have no plans to. The only thing I can think of is, there are some river otters in the area due to the abundance of lakes and rivers around. I've seen them before up north and they are surprisingly big, 5 to 6 feet or so. But, they don't have snake heads and they definitely have faces. So, maybe an injured otter? Or one with an incredible mutation? If so, I don't know how it managed to move so fast. It shot through the ferns very quickly. About 15 years ago I traveled to Spain with my best friend. We were both around 20 at the time, living the carefree young adult life. You know, just two guys having a great time. We were in a warm country, no carefully filled itinerary whatsoever, just living in the moment, doing whatever we felt like. My friend, who originally came from Spain, still had family there, which made the month-long travel very affordable since they offered us free accommodation, a roof over our head, a working bathroom with fresh showers and three meals a day if we liked. They also gave us a spare key so we could come and go just as we liked. During the day we often went swimming to keep us as cool as possible and during the evenings we often explored the city, went for drinks or went to a club. On a certain day, somewhat more to the end of our month-long stay there, the father of our host family, my friend's uncle, took us out for a fishing trip. We had a lot of fun out on the sea, although the trip was cut short because we had a bit too much fun consuming beers. The burning summer sun, too many beers and the wavy feeling of being out on the open sea made for a very bad case of seasickness for both my friend and me. His uncle though it was funny though. After having had an afternoon rest, or as they called it siesta and a very fulfilling late night dinner, we decided to go back out to the beach. We took a couple of cold beers with us, however we didn't take many as we were still feeling a bit groggy from before. It was a beautiful night, open sky, no clouds, little to no light pollution, making the twinkling stars very visible and present. Being on vacation, being young, on a still warm but comfortable summer night with a light breeze and a starry sky, it was the perfect moment to talk about the meaning of life. About what we like to achieve one day, about what was worth it, or what wasn't. If there were any other intelligent life out there, if we would live for another 1000 years or not. The crashing of the waves against the sand of the beach and the rocks was very calming and was lulling us into a meditative state. Only that moment in that place seemed to exist. There was no outside world, no life with responsibilities, no obligations, no expectations, no working hard to get somewhere. It was that moment we noticed something was off. The crashing of the sea against the sand of the beach sounded. Different? Harder? Like something was moving in it? Under the waves a vague shape started to form. As it neared the shoreline it started to get the shape of a dog. We both looked at each other and noticed we had been holding our breaths for about a minute it took the dog to crawl from the sea to the shoreline. The tension broke because we both burst out laughing because we had been so easily startled by something so innocent. But then my friend asked the question that made the newly regained light mood go away in an instant. Where did that dog come from though? There's no one around and we never saw any dog go into the sea? Neither was there any dog swimming around, it came from under the water. Now that he had worded it like that, it seemed rather curious, and actually that dog seemed pretty big for any existing dog I had ever seen. 
As it was crawling along the beach, solely illuminated by the first quarter moon, it looked the size of a small horse, but in the shape of a dog or wolf with matted fur. It had very present, bony joints in its knees and elbows and walked a bit awkwardly. My friend and I were debating if we should follow the beast and decided we did actually want to find out what exactly it was. I took out my phone and started to film it. For as far as any 2008 smartphone could film in the dark. By the time we reached the place at the beach where it had left the water, it had already reached the sand dunes and disappeared in it. We saw it had left a track and decided to follow that into the dunes. We weren't prepared for what we saw next though. The beast had left a track in the wet sand in the form of individual hoof prints in a straight line instead of a crisscross pattern as with any four-legged animal. No horse could have walked in such a line, and even though it had looked like the size of a horse it hadn't looked anything like the shape of a horse. Neither were horses aquatic animals. We followed the track to the dunes and went over the first dune when we saw the beast standing about 10 meters from us, in a speck of moonlight. It didn't look anything like a dog either. It looked like it had the lower half of a goat and the upper half of something like a werewolf or something. Just, the dimensions were off, the shapes were awkward, it was such a big animal neither of us could place under any existing animal we knew of, with matted fur and bony joints, that had just come out of nowhere from under the water, but clearly could walk and survive on the land as well, that left hoof marks in a straight line. Because we had just stumbled through the bushes closely behind the beast and had given away our presence, it slowly started to turn its head towards us. While it was turning towards us, it stood on its hind legs. Not only was this an animal that came from under the water, as well as could survive on the land and walk on four legs. It could clearly stand and walk very well on two legs as well. The beast gained even more size by standing on its hind legs and must have been around 2,5 meters big. It stared at us with red glowing eyes. These were not to be mistaken with the eyes of any nocturnal animal with reflective eyes, these were actually glowing from within. I felt stuck in my spot, completely frozen, but luckily my friend who was two steps behind me had the mind to run away and pull me with him. We ran for what felt like an hour but must have been closer to 10 minutes because we reached the house of my friend's family before we knew it. The beast hadn't followed us, or at least not all the way. We went in and told the entire story to his uncle. Of course he thought we must have been still drunk and tired and had seen things that weren't there. But when we showed him the recording, he went pale. He took a shovel, a gun would have been more impressive against a beast like that but it's not like the average European just has guns lying around, and asked us to show us where we had seen it. We searched for almost two hours but didn't find the beast again. However we did find the hoof marks, albeit a bit washed up because of the current of the sea. We went back home, trying to make something of what we had just seen, but couldn't. We needed to know what animal we had just seen. We started googling all kind of things. Of course with the lower half of the beast looking like a goat, we stumbled upon a lot of myths about the devil, which we discarded. We had seen an actual live beast that wasn't known by humanity yet and wanted to know if any other people had ever seen anything like it. It was only when we googled hoof marks one straight line that we stumbled upon the term the devil's footprints. So it was an actual thing, or at least something that had supposedly been seen before according to myths and stories but they must have had some truth to them since they described exactly what we had just seen with our own eyes. The few days we had left in Spain, we spent our nights out with my friend's uncle trying to find the beast again, but to no purpose, as we never saw it again. When I came home a few days later I saved the recording on my hard drive, not sure what to do with it yet. I didn't want to be the crazy guy that had seen the devil, because I still don't believe I did. I just want to know what animal this was and how come we haven't documented this beast yet. I tried to forget about it, but couldn't and a year later I decided I wanted to publish the recording in the hope anyone could make any sense of what we had seen that night. The uncle of my friend hadn't seen the beast in all that time and had asked around in the town if anyone had ever seen it, which they didn't. I had switched phones by then, but luckily I had the recording saved on my desktop 
where I had replayed it at least a thousand times. I booted up my desktop and something was wrong. I had to restart my desktop a couple of times and after booting it up in safe mode I got the message my hard drive had crashed. I tried whatever was possible to try, but I couldn't recover the recording in any way. 15 years later I'm still breaking my head over what the beast we encountered could have been, but by now it's a story my friends believe to be for making conversation. Only that friend and his uncle are still branded by the experience as well. My friend even took it so far to go live in Spain again, near the beach where it all happened and still continues to actively look for the beast to this day. Maybe one day he'll find it? My personal experience after walking in the night park near my old house. It's right on the edge of the city, and while the park looks like about two square miles of wild nature, it's surrounded with city from three sides, and with suburban area and mall from the fourth. Thus, it's not some wild lands of Bigfoots but apparently this place has something. As always, after work I sometimes go to this park at night. Place is safe, no animals bigger than squirrel, so nothing to worry about. This time I decided not to walk by its trails and alleys but to go in the distant part, where on the bottom of wide ravine flows a small, about 2 meters wide, and shallow, stream supporting local ponds. Shores are open and have some sticky black clay on them in some parts, and local village long ago was named Black Mud after this, but in many places in a meter or two from the shore starts bushes and trees. I was going by the shore, night is clear enough, and no trees above the stream so I could see with on a flashlight. Nothing suspicious, only ordinary night forest sounds. Then, I saw some movement behind in the bushes in front of me, where the stream turns from my shore. Here I should add that overall while I am a bit afraid of darkness, yes, it's strange combination with night park walks, I got used to night park, visited it for yesers, so Amzat every part is very familiar to me. Besides, it's all surrounded by civilization. So, I saw some movement in those bushes, in about 15 meters from me. Slowly, trying not to make sound by stepping on some crunchy branch on the shore, I walked forwards. Between the bushes there was some free space, enough for me to get forwards in between. Behind them, there was a small meadow, and then. Here it's hard for me to tell. My mind since then makes me think that I saw a dog but I can't remember no visual of dog, no breed, no size, nothing. I do not remember what I saw there but what I did next is I instinctively rushed backwards to the stream, took from the grout in the biggest branch I could see, and ran away from there, looking backwards often, but there was nothing. I stopped only on the hill in half a mile, overlooking the foresty ravine bottom around the stream. It was calm and quiet. I finally dropped my stick and confused went home. So far I have no idea what could it be but back then I was like in panic mode for a few minutes, and then it was okay again, like on off switch. Four years ago I trained a new worker who was honestly a nice guy at the time, early 30s seemingly healthy very much into yoga had a beautiful girlfriend etc. He seemed very balanced and healthy. I'll name him co-worker Anthony. We had another long-time co-worker who was sort of Mr. Popular with managers, but honestly, super annoying, really large personality, people mutually could only take him in small doses. He was essentially the emodemon of a TikTok frat boy who would randomly dance on the job and freestyle. Extremely annoying, anyway I'll name him co-worker Brad. Now, before I explain, I should include this workplace sucks. It barely holds a single star on Indeed, it's a large factory with no windows, toxic management long hours. It was very hard on most people's mental health. So anyway roughly a year into co-worker Anthony's stay things started changing. He and I were mutually friendly to another. We would have long civilized discussions about interesting things. But something was really out of place when he mentioned his new beliefs about the world being flat. And a hologram moon theory. 
It was really unlike the old version of him who was super rational. I sort of shrugged it off and said it's probably a phase or he's trolling. Fast forward a few weeks, co-worker Anthony has seemingly took a lot of interest in co-worker Brad and sort of developed some of his mannerisms but in a more endearing way. Kinda copying his silly dances and laughing, seemed harmless. But as months go past he continued to dance more and more to the point he had to be asked to stop by supervisors. He would even be moving around at the morning meetings, using all the same mannerisms and phrases as co-worker Brad. This really started to really creep out co-worker Brad to the point he switched shifts. We theorized maybe he was on drugs? But Anthony was very vocal against all substance use, including alcohol, weed etc. He was also a vegan. Where things change for the worse is when Brad ends up getting with a new hire at work. She ends up becoming his girlfriend. They move into together etc. This is when Anthony shows up to work using Brad's name, even signing himself in on the log book as him, referring himself as Brad all mooring. Then, later that day Anthony stands up on a work table screaming I'm in love with, Brad's girlfriend, by name. With his arms spread out and across Jesus' formation, face to the ceiling. The whole place was silent, and after he ended up standing in a corner with a broom sweeping nothing for the next several hours. He wouldn't turn around from the corner either, not even when tapped on the shoulder or called by name. The only time I saw him away from that corner was when it was time to go home, he was the last one out. Unfortunately, my job being QC I'm always among the last ones out as well. Despite both of us being the last in the building, I did my best to act normal when passing him in the hallway. I glanced at him. He was looking directly at me, head tilted down, making a pseudo-snarling dog face, eyebrows in a V, tongue, and teeth out. The next day, our boss decided Anthony needed to go to the hospital, so we actually made an appointment and got him in with an Uber. He was put on leave for a week. The security guards who I was friends with told me, Anthony was showing up in middle of the night trying to sign in for work at the card reader, sometimes at 2-3 am. Anyway, surprisingly, a week later Anthony comes back and seems somewhat normal, almost like he has no recollection of anything he did. He even wrote an entire album on his phone in that time which surprisingly was better than I thought it would be. But I noticed it was all love lyrics? Sort of wanky country love songs. As things seemed to normalize with Anton, he stated he really wanted to hang out with me. Go for a hike and throw axes at trees etc. I sort of didn't agree or disagree and told him I'd get back to him on that. As I secretly was a little on edge. He asked me later that day if I was still down and I said unfortunately I had other obligations. He said well I guess I can't throw an axe at your face then. And I laughed not knowing how to react at all. I told the manager about that and he kinda just scratched his head uncomfortably and shrugged his shoulders. Anyway Anthony, ends up finding Brad's address due to a work get together where everyone was invited and someone leaked it to Anthony. They eventually find rocks and sticks in weird formations on their doorstep like shrines. And we all collectively knew it was Anthony. Things got really weird when they actually found Anthony looking through their windows at night. He was also scratching the windows with his nails, calling out Brad's name, repeatedly whispering Brad I need to tell you something. This is when our manager finally decided to take action and agreed to fire Anthony. Four years later Anthony still stalks co-worker Brad's now ex-girlfriend who had to get a restraining order against him. He annually makes new Facebook accounts and adds all 200 plus workers who used to work there, as the place got shut down. He uses a new name each time with a different selfie. He sends a message to each one of us as well saying hey, you, it's Brad from, work. So I guess my question is what would this behavior be called? And how did such a normal likable level-headed person turn into this? Is there a term for this behavior etc? What would your diagnosis be? One of my friends had the balls to ask him in a reply which I can share a screenshot of if he recalls anything, which he doesn't seem to. But he sure remembers Brad's ex-girlfriend and says some extremely concerning things.
about how she's the one and the only one. I'm the bigger one, she's the smaller one. He was put on this earth essentially to save her. He also seemingly has no support at all from family or anything and is working at new job. Living alone unintended? I feel like this is sort of a risk no? Anyway interested in some of your feedback what he might be dealing with. I'm going to night evening school in a small town in central Macedonia and one of my classmates, Zoe, has two kids a son and a daughter. The son lives in Shanghai and the daughter lives in Amsterdam. This Christmas, Zoe, orchestrated a surprise visit with her son to Amsterdam to go see her daughter. After, the surprise they decided to do tourist stuff, and on an Anna Frank tour, sorry if it's not the right way to say it, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, when Zoe noticed a familiar person, me, or at least someone who looked like me. I'm talking identical looking me. She wore the same outfit I would wear on the first day back to class after the holidays, my white fleece shirt, my fleece gray leggings, my black trainers, my black cardigan, and my gray puffy jacket along with my purple beanie, my pink Oxford themed scarf and emerald green gloves. The identical me wore the exact outfit as described and had the same hair color as me, dark brown and even she had the same body type and walk. Zoe spent most of the tour being perplexed and hurt that I didn't come and say hi, so by the end of the tour, she walked up to the identical me and got her attention. But the identical me turned and Zoe instead of meeting my glass wearing hazel green brown eyes, Zoe was looking into emerald green eyes and no glasses. Confused Zoe asked her, her name and she said that her name was Helena Nistau instead of my name and she was from Aegeo in Peloponnese. To make things weirder the last name Nistau is a family name from my dad's side of the family. Aegeo is where my maternal grandma and her family are from and Helena is a family name and a name that my parents considered naming me. Zoe then shared this event on the first day of class after we exchanged gifts and I shared wrapped desserts for my name day which is on New Year's. I found it very odd because it reminded me of a different story my mum told me that Uncle Nikos, a family friend we refer to as uncle, experienced in early December. The event goes as such, Uncle Nikos, lives in Athens, and one day he was on a public bus when he saw me on the bus. He found it hilarious because he was on the phone with my mom. He hang up because he was about to get down and decided to pass by and surprise me. She wore the same grey puffy jacket and she had red hair like I had the last time Uncle Nico saw me. He walked up to her and tapped her shoulder and called her by my name when the other me looked him up and down confused. And Uncle Nico saw emerald green eyes. And Uncle Nikos realized he made a mistake. He called my mum asking where I was and mum eyed me across the table as I was eating breakfast and said I was here with her. He got so confused and told us the story. My money is on the doppelganger while my dad thinks it's a parallel universe version of me while my sister thinks it's a cousin of ours but spent the holidays looking for her social media but couldn't find her. Dad asked around the family but there is a Helena Nistau but we don't look alike at all and she's blonde with blue eyes. It's the first two times that people said they saw me somewhere I haven't been and even someone looking identical to me and it's not my mum. This is a situation that happened in Idaho in about 2001. My daughter was about 12 or 13 years old. She is a climber, and has been since she was a baby. She is very strong too. Well. I took her to see a beautiful place in the canyon, where you can stand behind a waterfall. When we were near the falls she ran ahead of me, so that when I got there I could not see her, I could not find her. I kept looking all over and finally I looked up, she had climbed about one half way up the canyon wall. Horrified and hysterical, I began yelling at her to get down right now. Screaming my terrified demands to her, I could not watch. I held my hands over my face as she climbed back down. Once she was down safely, I demanded to know what she thought she was doing climbing up there like that. She responded that a door had opened in the rocks above, and something motioned to her to come up. So, 
She was going to meet this being. I was aghast. A few weeks later, I went back to the area, without my children. Studying the area where she climbed, looking for a door. Not able to see one, I returned twice determined to see this door my daughter was talking about. I think I wanted to yell at this thing for calling my daughter up there. Anyway, I finally found it. It was the shadow on the rock of the canyon wall that formed this door. I found it because the shadow was different from the rest, a little off. It did look like a door though. And a being opened it up for a moment I saw its head peering out. It had curled horns, like a ram. It was cream colored with brown horns. Its face was not human. It was some sort of canyon being. No, I did not yell at it like I had intended to. Two years ago my boyfriend and I decided to go camping on Easter morning. The weather was unusually warm and sunny so why not spend it outdoors? We packed our stuff, got the dogs in the car and set to the road. It was very spontaneous so we didn't really plan where we will set up camp, just a general direction up in a national park, Europe. The forest was breathtaking. We drove up a dirt road along a small river for about an hour. It was a rough ride and we couldn't find any spots as on our left was a rock wall and on the right river valley. To this day, I say the place presented itself to us. I was frustrated that we were wasting light and demanded we stop at e-next turn. We got out to stretch our legs, took the dogs out and noticed they kept going down to the river. We followed them and found the most beautiful clearing, under a river bank, right at a shallow bend of the river. We had a clear view up and down the river but otherwise you would have no idea we were there. It was hidden away from the road. I felt like home. We found an old stone hearth which had a beech sapling growing in it. I replanted the sapling somewhere safe before making the fire. My grandfather taught me from a young age to respect the forest. Before the meal I made a small gift to the forest with some tea. It just felt right. The day passed nicely and as the sun went down it got very cold very fast. At some point we put out the fire and got in the tent for warmth. The one thing that will always stay with me from this outing is the pure darkness. It was so dark I had to check with my fingers if my eyes were closed or not. I had never experienced anything like that and I hope I won't anytime soon. It was deeply unsettling. During the night I could barely sleep. The sound of the river was incessant yet low, like a constant buzz. What kept me awake though were the strange sounds around the tent. I understand that nature is weird and has lots of weird sounds. More than once I heard something brushing on the tent, like someone would trace their hand down on it. Top to bottom on the left, then on the right, then behind, all over it. I played it off to leaves or bugs falling from the trees. The next part is what really freaked me out. I started hearing muffled voices. Sometimes paired with the brushing, other times on their own. There were a few voices, all obnoxiously happy. I could hear loud laughter, singing, people talking loudly. I couldn't understand a word but their happiness felt off, menacing at times. At the same time I felt watched. Like something was towering over us and counting my breaths. I felt the need to cower and hide. I barely moved all night. This kept going the whole night. Close to the morning it seemed to quiet down and I was able to sleep an hour. I woke up at first light and I was so relieved it was day again. I felt it in my bones. I felt as if I a pressure had been lifted, I just felt liberated. At that point I didn't mention anything to my boyfriend about the voices, I wasn't concerned he would call me crazy but I felt this urge to shut up like I shouldn't speak about it there. The rest of the morning went by quietly. Just before getting the last bags I stopped just near the clearing and said, thank you for having us, to the forest. It felt like the right thing to do. Not a second after, a bird started singing in front of us. Like it was answering me. I whistled back and it sang back to me. I kept this going for a few more times. By the time we were loading in the car the canopy above us was full of singing birds. It didn't feel natural in any way. Those birds were huddled around us, like sending us off. 
It felt like goodbye. I cannot put it in words but I felt so. Melancholic, hurt even. For a moment I felt like I was leaving home, not for home. Once we left the woods behind both of us relaxed, I wasn't even aware I was so tensed. I asked my boyfriend how he felt about the experience. He said he heard the brushing too and a few voices once or twice. He confessed that he too felt very uneasy during the night and that the bird thing was very peculiar. I don't know what all those things were but I know I felt a presence with us all the time, I felt watched. I tried to reason it but somehow even the memories about it feel off. This happened Thursday night 2-16-2023 so I recently got probation for 18 months so I decide to smoke out my lungs. My setting was in my backyard I'm around trees. I sat down thinking nothing, while facetiming my girl. I smoked about 2 gram blunts going on to the third, as I'm smoking my third blunt halfway blunt my tuxedo cat came to me out of nowhere, he usually knows when I'm outside smoking. He's my cat since I was kid, he meowed couple of time and started circling around me like if he's doing some type of circle protection. While he's doing this we hear noises coming from the woods, sounded like mice slash rats or possum. I didn't think much about it I just started smoking and starting at the stars saying to myself in my mind. Whatever comes out of those woods I'll just scared it off. 30 seconds later this horrible scary sound of like scratching down a tree, like I imagine a werewolf with his claws scratching a tree. The sound that will produce. My body and eyesight got different because I was in a state of shock no knowing what was that sound. Because I never ever heard it in my life to identify what it is. So as soon as I heard that, I looked up and just my cat running towards where the sound came from. And he just sat down in front of a tree. I starting at him my eyesight was different it was gloomy like if I was a acid trip. My cat came back to me and started meowing so I took that as a get the f out of here so I did walked fast to my front yard. This is a story about Jason. Jason lost his parents 6 years ago when he was just 12 in a car accident which was so brutal that he barely survived. Jason has always been blaming himself for the death of his parents because he was the one on the passenger's seat and he was continuously disturbing his dad while he was driving. Since that accident Jason has been living with his aunt with whom he always gets into quarrels. His aunt has been sending him to a therapist but it has been of no use because even there he used to not listen to his therapist and used to open up very less. After his parents' death he has had multiple failed self-harm attempts and his reason is that he just wants to meet his parents for one last time and apologize for what he believed he did. One day after quarreling with his aunt, Jason was sitting all alone in his room when suddenly he saw a creepy shadow figure ascending from the other side of the bed. At first, he gets scared and terrified but he eases a bit when the figure introduces himself. He introduces himself as Baku and says that he is a demon and he has been observing Jason for a long time and wanted to help him. Baku says that he can send Jason back to the date when his parents died so that he could meet them for one last time. But Baku says that this can be executed only under two conditions. The first is that he will be able to stay in the past for only three minutes. The second one is that once he returns to the present, he will forget everything about his parents and his meeting with Baku. Jason thinks a lot and then finally agrees with Baku. Baku asks Jason to close his eyes and after a while Jason finds himself six years back. Then when he meets his parents, he gets to know a very big secret that his parents did not die in an accident, it was actually a kill. His parents even give him the killer's name. Jason decides to take revenge but the only problem is that 3 minutes later once he returns to the present he will forget everything about this. So how can Jason take revenge? Can anyone please suggest some ideas? Please. Years later I am still trying to make sense of this encounter. I am a science-based believer. There has to be a good reason behind something moving on its own. I didn't in younger years know how to tell people no. 
I ended up going on a vacation with a fellow I was not into after a lot of persistence from him, not knowing boundaries. We stayed in his parents' brand new build guest room. I didn't want to do anything with him and also felt a sense of dread and impending doom. He tried to make moves, I became more withdrawn and told him that she was here. She was even though I don't and never did believe in her. He tried to convince me to lay down with him in bed to escape this anxiety he thought I was experiencing. I laid down, he laid down next to me. The second he reached out to touch me a 4 by 2 foot panel of glass above the guest bed, right above our heads popped out perfectly and nearly fell on top of us. He with quick reflexes reached his hands out and caught it, sliding it onto the floor where it shattered. We both heard the sound of gravel, running and a woman crying. Went outside to investigate, middle of the desert Arizona, nowhere near a city. There was nothing and no one. He didn't believe in her. He did after. I still don't believe in her, but she seems to protect me. His family accused us of doing the deed to the point of breaking the window. We sat in opposite corners of the room after the incidents until the sun rose. Woke up one night to my brother freaking out. He said a doorway appeared in the bathroom and light was coming out of it. He started to see these thin little people coming out of it and he went into the bathroom to see what was going on. The bathroom was next to the boiler room and there was no wall dividing it. He saw movement in the boiler room behind a metal support pole and demanded the beings show themselves. He shouted come out right now. Suddenly, almost as if they had to obey him, these really thin people that could expand themselves or shrink themselves like balloons came out from behind the pole, the heater and the other objects in the room. He said they had really wrinkly skin sort of like deflated leather balls. One of them seemed to be the obvious leader and he was staring at my brother really angrily like they had been found out. The leader guy had a tool belt on and was the only one that wasn't completely naked. He started screaming for us to wake up but they disappeared before we got there. When I was a senior in college I worked part-time at a grocery store mainly stocking shelves and doing work that didn't involve interacting with customers too much. One day, as I'm stocking the shelves, I see this woman walk into the aisle I'm in. She's shopping and looking at items on the shelf. The second I saw her, I almost froze because this person was an exact copy of a dear friend slash mentor of mine. Only, it couldn't have been her because she lived in a different country, on the other side of the world. I couldn't help but just stare at her, because I knew it couldn't possibly be her, but at the same time, this wasn't just one of those things where it was a similar looking person. She was literally an exact copy. As I'm looking at her, she doesn't notice me looking, I try to search for any difference in physical features, but there aren't any. The energy slash general feeling slash sensation I get is just eerie. It was like in that moment, my brain wasn't processing that there were other people in the store. I couldn't hear the music playing over the speakers anymore, didn't notice any other customers. It was almost as if she wasn't real. But she was definitely there. After a few moments, she got close enough to me that we made eye contact, and when she looked at me, she had that look on her face that you make when you see someone you feel looks familiar, but can't put your finger on from where. Her eyes looked like she recognized me, but that she didn't remember from where. I didn't want to scare her, so I just kept on working and eventually she left. This was not my real friend, because we remain in contact and I would know if she were in my city, and she would have recognized me right away. The feeling this left me with was really strange. About a week later, at work, the same thing happened again. Same person, same experience. Several days later it happened again, and then once more at a museum, several months later, same person. Since then I never saw this copy again. This might not seem like much, and I'm sure some people will just tell me I simply saw a person who looked like my friend. But for those who have experienced seeing a double of someone, you know exactly what I mean. There was something off about the situation. The feeling that it gave me and just the whole encounter was very strange.
I almost got the feeling she was trying to tell me something, or show me something, because the area of the store that I worked was usually pretty empty, and when I would see her, I would be so curious and baffled that I would sort of follow her a little bit. Not in a weird slash too close way, but when she would change aisles I would slowly make my way over to where she was, in the general vicinity, just because I wanted to figure out what I was seeing. It didn't seem like a sinister encounter, but it didn't exactly give off positive vibes, either. I've always just been so baffled by this whole thing. A few years ago, I rented my father's second property. It's pretty far back in the woods off a very small two-lane dirt road. One night I was sitting in the main room in my recliner watching YouTube, with just the outside deck lights on. I started to get a feeling up the back of my neck, as you do when you're creeped out about something nearby or whatever. The next 10 minutes were strange. I have super blurry memories of slowly walking out the front door and down the deck steps, looking up at a giant white light floating above the cabin and the second I looked at it, I collapsed on the bottom of the stairs and a giant, what seemed like, electric shock went through my body. I started crawling up the stairs and felt like every inch of my body was being pulled super hard back away from the front door. I don't remember if the area was lit up from the light but it sure felt like it. The rest is a blackout and I woke up standing at my kitchen sink with the water running hot over my head and all the lights on in the house. Am I crazy, or did I experience something weird? Thanks. This was in the town I'm currently living in, northern Wisconsin. December last year, after I scrounge up some change, I went out to get a soda at my local gas station. It was like any other day, I got dressed, went down our apartment stairs, and started my usual journey to the local holiday gas station for Pepsi. I still remember all of it as clear as ever. Just as I exited our apartment and out into the alley, a man walks past me and gives me a wave. He wore a red winter jacket with a white stripe in the middle, a gray beanie and short gray hair underneath, denim jeans and black boots. I listened to music pretty much all day, so when I switched playlists and looked back up, the man was gone, seemingly vanished. I stopped dead in my tracks, awestruck. I suck at explaining things, yet again I apologize. Like I said, he just straight up disappeared, literally gone like he was never there. I remember he was walking in the same direction as me, maybe a couple feet away, there was snow crumbling under his steps like anyone else. There was no car that picked him up. My immediate reaction was to take out my earbuds and listen, nothing. Next I checked to see maybe if he went behind the wooden fence, nothing, the gate had a padlock and the snow from the blizzard on Christmas was there no signs of the gate being opened and snow being pushed away. I looked for footprints in the snow, nothing, only mine, and I knew for certain his shoe size was definitely bigger than mine. I was in pure confusion at this point. I looked across the street, and the woman I saw walking with a camouflage jacket before the man walked past me was still there, making her way to wherever she was going. I walked in a brisk out the alley and looked both ways, the man was still nowhere to be seen. Still baffled and confused, I chucked it up to my imagination or something, joking to myself he no clipped into the back rooms. Once I got home I told my mom and stepfather, of course, they immediately joked saying it was a time traveler or something but they believed me since they experienced their own share of strange happenings in their lives. Even after days, a month after, there was no mention of a disappearance on my step-uncle's police scanner. Again, I apologize for my grammar and spelling, haven't been writing in a good while. So basically, it was me, my mother, and my father, and for some odd reason I decided to ask them if I could go into the mall for a bit, just to check if they had certain stuff that I was wanting, and as I leave the store, to my right is a food court, and to my left there is a whole line of chain stores and such. As I'm walking past these stores, just glancing at them, not really paying any attention to what's in front of me. 
This girl, out of nowhere, says hey, stop, I want to talk to you, I have a message for you. So OFC I stop dead in my tracks, and I'm all in my head like is she talking to me, or someone else? And she goes no, I want to talk to you with this weird gesture. So at this point I'm freaked out, why is she wanting to talk to me like WTF, and before I know it, she's asking me about school, and asking how my life is and some other questions I don't really remember, she then in the middle of our conversation, takes her hand and puts it up about halfway and spreads her fingers, in a way that says let's interlock our fingers and have our palms touching I don't know how else to describe it, but when our hands touched, it felt like there was so much good and loving energy that I just needed in that time, at the same time I was struggling with my faith. I was a Christian, I was raised that way, but now I'm agnostic, more leaning towards atheist, and as we were holding hands, I literally swear to God I see in my pants, not a lot, but just enough to kinda notice. Appearance-wise, she had red hair, a white tank top with spaghetti straps, black jeans, and black shoes, I believe were some generic sneakers like Vans or Converse. At the end of our conversation before she left, she was telling me how much she loved me, and that she was so proud of me, and how far I've come. I honestly don't even know what she was, I've been told that she may have been an angel, or something else. She also had like bodyguards around her, it was more in the shape of a crescent moon kind of thing, and they were all dressed in like black clothes, very formal but also kinda minimalist so to speak. I also have the idea that she could be duality. Or the yin and yang of all that exists. I don't know just my thoughts. Also, this happened like 3 years ago, I'm 20 now, about to be 21, and I was 16 when it happened. I still think about her on the daily 24-7. She had a very mom or mother kind of vibe to her. I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on who or what she could be, please I'm begging for you to tell me. Also I've been told that she might be Aphrodite, but I highly doubt it. Anybody have any thoughts on who or what she could be? Also, appearance-wise she had, red hair obf, white spaghetti strap tank top, black pants and black and white shoes, green as emerald eyes, lots of freckles. Mind you I have auburn hair with more brown than red, hazel eyes and freckles. Also, the name she gave me was Alexa meaning defender of mankind. I use a spirit box. Every time I use it there's this woman name Yvette that whispers to me. I don't mind her she's kind. I found out her name because the first time I talked to her she wouldn't give me her name asking me why. But the other spirits on the box would say Yvette, Yvette, Yvette. She's asked me not to go when I left once. She seems lonely. Last time I talked to her was two days ago. At first she would not speak but the other spirit coming in said she's mad. I asked her directly if she's mad and she said yes. I asked her if she was mad with how she died, she said yes. She sounded like she was crying. She screamed too. Is there anything I can do to help her pass over? I've talked to her month and a half. This story starts around the 25th of December, I was enjoying a trip with my family to Santa Barbara. For a day trip, and because I'm a big museums nerd, I convinced everyone to go to Solvang, a Danish town in the middle of rural California. While going down the street, we were passed by a street view car for Google. Right in front of us was a couple in their 20s, one had dyed hair. I continued on with my day. A few days later, the trip ends and I start to head back home. As we were getting onto a winding country road, at about 5 in the morning, way before the sun went up. On the side of the last suburban street before hours of abandoned highway was a white figure. Under a lone light lamp for a lady. She slouched slightly. She had pale skin. She had scraggly hair. But weirdest of all, the complete lack of a face. I was a little freaked out by this but I didn't want to wait and deal with drivers on New Year's Eve. Soon, thick fog set in and I could barely see 10 feet in front of me. This road was very windy, as there was a valley below. 
After about 10 minutes of driving, the road started turning, and every 5 feet was a new sign saying what to do, slowly getting more nonsensical. From rock warnings back to back, to signs saying to turn off all lights, to signs saying to just stop. After a couple minutes, everything returned to normal. My theory is that this was a transitional space, and I have changed universes. Today, I went to an ice cream shop and on a whim decided to check if I was on Google Maps. I opened it up and went to the bakery I had just got out of when the car passed by. There was the person with dyed hair, and everything else was normal, but I and my family, who were traveling with me, were gone. I checked the dates, the images were only a month old. This explains quite a bit, the day after, I was staying in a hotel and all the lights went out for hours. And these people, quite close to civilization, were fine with it. They acted as if this was completely normal. Yet mere months earlier the city would have been a mess if power went out, as it did, but only for a couple minutes, it shut down all of the casinos for a bit. Now, they were all back up by the time I left the building. Really, what is going on? Last spring when my son was three years old, we drove by a big white church. This church is one that we pass often driving around town. It is also the place of his current preschool, but at that time, he attended a different preschool and had never stepped foot in or talked about the big white church. So we drove by one day and he said oh there's the church that I ate cereal in. My husband and I looked at each other and I said, what do you mean? We've never been there before. We asked some additional questions but he didn't really answer. However, he was very adamant about being there and eating cereal. This happened during a very difficult time in our lives. My father-in-law was on hospice and dying of cancer. For weeks, we were up and back to my in-law's house this church being along the route. He said it a few more times and then never mentioned it again. Fast forward to today he currently attends preschool at said church. He has been going since September and we love it. It is Christian though we aren't very religious. Anyway, I got the monthly newsletter and it mentioned that next month is pajama day where the kids wear pajamas and eat cereal. I told my son and asked him if he remembered eating cereal there before. He said no and had no recollection of saying that he did. Is there an explanation to this? It gives me chills when I think about it. 